0: Episode 298 Jeff Saunders The Free Time Formula The Awaken Your Alpha podcast Live Limitless I'm Adam Lewis Walker Host of Awaken Your Alpha The number one men's development podcast For inspirational stories and strategies To thrive as a man As a coach, keynote speaker and best-selling author It has been my mission Going on four years on the podcast To bring you the best, the very best The struggles, the action And to share the real journey with you Together we are stronger. Please subscribe to support the show through ayalpha.com and join the conversation in the Facebook group Awaken Your Alpha with ALW. Get involved and I'll see you in the inside. Get to the podcast Okay, welcome back. We have a very productive and one I think you're going to really want to listen to. We have Jeff Saunders online today. He is a keynote speaker, author and podcaster. I really want to focus in on what he's well known for in terms of his books is the 5am miracle. His first book he published and then the more recent, the free time formula. Um, And even with his podcast, which I'm going to delve in, because obviously that's something I'm very interested in, 5 million plus downloads, which I know is, is let's just say this podcast hasn't got 5 million and we'll leave it at that, but he is the man that helps you get more done than you ever thought possible. So this is the interview for you, the episode for you, if you want, if that interests you. Firstly, Jeff. Are you ready to awaken your alpha today
1: ready to do it let's do yeah
0: let's go <laughs> awesome so i focused in on what you can do and how why people should listen to this but is there anything else that you want to add to your bio that was you know because was quite a brief one what are you all about i mean anything else you want to add subtract or highlight there
1: i think that i mean that covers kind of the the highlights but i think that really <laughs> my my life every day i think about things like high energy Uh, enthusiasm, these kinds of words that dictate the kinds of projects I take on the kind of work I want to do. I'm just always thinking about like, how can I be, uh, you know, more productive, uh, healthier, uh, have more energy in my day, I just I like, I like myself the most when I feel those kinds of ways. And so I'm always thinking, like, how do I kind of craft that in my day? And then how do I share that with my audience, you know, through my books and podcasts and whatever? Uh, It's just it's a really kind of, it's a lifestyle that I've kind of really grown into in the last few years i kind of got started when i began to do marathons in my mid-20s and yeah i kind of hooked on on health and that led to productivity and it's led to this kind of lifestyle where i feel like that's what you know, i feel the most alive when i'm my healthiest and most productive
0: i like something you said there was you know like you like yourself the most and i think that's something huge that comes across in a lot of people i interview you gotta do something worthy of your own respect and you've got to like yourself first before you can expect others to do the same you touched on a bit of your origins there well. Could you just kind of sum up your origins in terms of where you're originally from, where are you speaking to us from today
1: and a bit about that face? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Columbia, Missouri in the United States and uh, I had kind of a Midwest, normal middle-class upbringing where I was exposed to lots of fun things but never really knew what I wanted to do with my life. I had this very clear sense of cluelessness. Like I just, I knew that I liked a lot of stuff and I had no idea which one of those things I would choose to do with my life. Uh, so after I graduated college, my wife and I moved to Boston. And I took a job in door to door sales, because it was the, they were hiring, I just I needed a job and they yeah. offered me one. And the job was terrible. I hated every minute of it. But my boss was a really awesome guy who was really into personal developments. And he asked me to read a book by John Maxwell, who's a very famous author written by like, 50 books by now. And I read this book and was just blown away at just kind of this, what, what personal development is and this idea that I could can, can you remember what book that was? I'm sure you can. Uh, yeah, it's called Your Roadmap for Success, okay. uh, which is a really great book. Uh, and it wasn't that that book necessarily is a great book, yeah. as much as I was just turned on to the idea of personal growth, uh, having read that book. And so I just became uh, kind of infatuated with this idea of self-help and figuring out how to make my life the best that it could be. And so for many years, I was like working odd jobs I hated, but all the while trying to figure out like, how do I kind of build my own career uh, that allows me to become my best self? And that's where I began to, you know, I launched a website, got a blog going, had a podcast at some point, and then began to explore all those topics myself and then shared those lessons along the way with others. So I feel like my life is just kind of this random experiment of trying lots of stuff to see what works. And then as I have found things I enjoy, I dig into those things really intensely. I'm kind of an intense guy when it comes to, you know, I, I choose something and I just go hardcore. Like, I didn't just run one marathon, I ran 12 in a short time period because I was like, I'm going to do this and like make it my thing. <laughs> and so that's just kind of how I operate. Uh, but I, I only jump in deep once I've discovered something that I'm really passionate about. But figuring out what that was it took me a long time and lots of experiments and lots of bad jobs went nowhere. Like, that's kind of my story. Uh, but it's led to me kind of now owning my own business, doing my own thing and crafting the life that I want uh, with much more intentionality and purpose uh, than I've ever had before. You talked about there,
0: find like trying lots of things, experimenting and then finding something you want to do and then running with it. Kind of like an awakening moment. When did you feel you really found something that you were gonna run with in terms of you know, your business or your life? Because you have little, little phases like that and people experience little ones. We think, oh, this was great. How could I make it, you know, so I can go all in on this? When did you feel like you had that kind of breakthrough moment when it's not just experimenting and nothing working or a little bit's working when you really kind of channeled it into one direction?
1: I think that happened for me at multiple phases. One specifically the I just first mentioned when I discovered John Maxwell of personal development. Um, another happened in my mid-20s, about probably about 25-ish. Um, and I kind of fell into veganism as a diet, uh, which was not expected. I just kind of was doing lots of personal experiments. And I had a big shift in just being more intentional with the foods I was eating. And that led to marathons, which led to me being super excited about when to share uh, everything that I was kind of going through at that point. So I feel like there was definitely an awakening for me when I changed my my health habits, So when I specifically said, like, instead of just, you know, going through the motions and drinking alcohol every day and going to work stressed out and like doing all these things that felt like the normal kind of American way to live my life, I decided like, I didn't want to be that guy anymore. And I wanted to be more intentional with how I took care of myself. And that for me was a huge breakthrough into uh, realizing that that was like my pivot moment to take that. Um, those experiences and those lessons and share those with the business I then wanted to grow. And so they kind of both merged together at that point. So today, most of what I discuss is productivity-based, but the whole thing really began with a health shift. And I feel like that's, for me, kind of was my big breakthrough moment. I definitely want to dig into sort of some
0: tips and your strategies around being more productive with your time and the key concepts of your books. But tell us about the podcast and when did that come along? And because I don't, it's very easy when we're focusing on sort of that side of things that to skirt over 5 million downloads. And I'm sitting, as I say, someone here, and I know that is, that is not the norm. That is very hard to come by and getting harder by the day. as more and more podcasts release. How long has your
1: podcast been going? And what do you think has got it to that point? Uh, yeah. So the podcast launched uh, July 1st of 2013. So it's almost about four and a half years now that's been on the air. Um, I actually had a podcast a few years before that uh, it was called gibberish that lasted all of three episodes. <laughs> um, it was a terrible podcast. I only started it because I just wanted to be a podcaster. And, <laughs> you
0: wanted uh, it a <laughs> yeah,
1: literally. I, the, wow. the, the content was nonsense. Like I was talking about whatever was on my mind and it was a bad, bad show. Put that into scale of people who are maybe made not so familiar with podcasts four and a half years ago, that
0: is an early adopter. But before that, with Gibberish, that is early doors. <laughs> well,
1: I was first turned on to podcasts back in 2007 um, after I graduated college. Ooh. And that's when I began to consume them, uh, commuting to and from work. And I got really into podcasts as a listener and realized very quickly, like, I need my own show. I just didn't know what it was going to be about. So I launched Gibberish uh, as an attempt <laughs> to be a <laughs> And after the third episode, my brother emailed me and was like, Jeff, your show is terrible. Please stop it. <laughs> so I did, <laughs> which was really funny, but also very you know, a good moment for me to realize, okay, if I want to be a podcaster, I should be a great podcaster, which means I'm going to need you know, a plan. I'm going to need great content. I'm going to need you know, a better microphone. I'm going to need all those things that a great podcaster would have. So it was a few years after that, that I finally got all those pieces together and then launched the 5am Miracle in 2013. And so ever since then, I've had a weekly show. Um, I just recently shifted to doing every other week, uh, but that's only because I have other things going on in my life besides podcasting. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a phenomenal you know, tool to be able to communicate with. And I love podcasting as a medium. And it's something that I w- w- will continue as long as I can, because I just love being able to communicate in this way.
0: In terms of the 5 a.m. miracle, what made you centering around that and i suppose we can tie this in with the book and again if there's any crossover to kind of your most recent book feel free to jump across there we will cover it but tell us about the 5am miracle what what's it all about and what are some key strategies around that
1: well the whole thing started for me uh, actually when i was training for a marathon so i had a full-time job i was building my side business and i was training for a race and realized that on a day-to-day basis, I had a lot going on you know, to fit in time for you know going to you know, to and from work uh, in the evenings, trying to build a business, and somewhere in there trying to make time for a run, I couldn't figure out how to make it all work in a way that wasn't just exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to shift my schedule and wake up at 5 a.m. one day to try my morning run before work and to make a really early, early morning out of it. And on the very first day I tried it, I really loved it. It's something connected with me that said like, this is a really awesome way to begin my day. I feel so energized and healthy. And then I got to work with more energy and I was more productive that day. And I was like, okay, this needs to continue. And so I just simply repeated that practice over and over again until I finished that race. And then I began to use the morning hours for productivity time, for other business pursuits, for whatever it is I wanted to do and realized there's an opportunity kind a first thing in the morning to be really productive when everyone else is still asleep when there's still a time for you to focus on one thing and get it done and then begin your day with that success already under your belt. And as soon as I had that going, I realized this is, this is my thing. Like, this is what I want to do. It's what I want to talk about. I need to share these principles and all these things that stem from that. So that's where the podcast kind of grew from and where the book then came from as well, was well, just those simple ideas of wake up early, prioritize something that matters to you, get it done, and let that success kind of roll into the rest of your day. And so the book just kind of explains how I structure my time, everything from bigger picture goals to, you know, the very nitty gritty of your morning routine and how to you know, maximize your time, because all of those things matter. If you really want to say, you know, at the end of this next year, I will have accomplished all these big things. There has to be a very specific plan to ensure that you're going to be doing the key activities day after day that will get you there. And I felt like if, if I don't take every single day seriously, when do I take my life seriously? When do I take my time seriously? So that for me is like a way to intentionally say, like, I'm gonna begin my day with a plan, start it and do something that matters to me. And I've just seen so much growth and success from that that I, I can't imagine not continuing that practice as well.
0: Well, I was going to say, sometimes I think, you know, where do you you draw the line? Because I I interviewed Craig Ballantyne, uh, the most disciplined man in the world. I don't know who called him that. And he, it almost feels like it's like top trumps. He gets up at 4 (laughs) a.m. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Right. You know, eventually someone's going to be like like 2 3 a.m., 2 a.m. I mean, what time do you go to bed? I think he's in bed at 8 o'clock is the theory. But what time do you go to bed and like that? Seven days a week? Are you... Have you kind of modified it to fit your lifestyle? Because obviously, I'm sure you're a very different man to when you originally started the podcast and you know different phases of your life.
1: Yeah, things have definitely shifted and evolved for me over the years. And so I wouldn't say that 5 a.m. is the norm for me every day now. Um, It was, like I say, for a certain time period when I was doing a lot of marathons, it worked really well. Um, With different seasons of my life, I've shifted gears. Um, I still prioritize early mornings. I still find lots of value in that. But on a day-to-day basis, it shifts anywhere from 5 to 7 a.m. depending on what my schedule looks like, what my evening activities look like. Uh, But I will say to the idea of bedtime, If your goal is to wake up early your bedtime is actually the goal you're looking for because if you don't go to bed on time nothing's going to work (laughs) Uh, it's just it's so it's so hard to go to sleep early when you want to stay up working on things you care about you have evening activities so it's not an ideal solution you know, and a reality every single day, mm-hmm. but what it, the, the intention behind it is the plan that says, I'm going to be intentional about when I wake up and what I do when that happens. So technically you could have an 8 a.m. miracle or an 11 a.m. Yeah. miracle. It doesn't actually matter when you get up. It just matters that you're taking your time seriously and planning what matters to you. And so with that in mind, I shift my schedule all the time to fit my life. Uh, but I definitely still love early mornings and whenever I can get those built in, I prioritize that uh, because I know I'm more productive when those hours are available. Definitely. I just wanted to get that across because that's,
0: you know, that's what I thought, but I didn't want some people to kind of get put off into, oh, I can't do 5am. Like people can make it work. Like you say, it's the principle. You can make it work for yourself and no one's a machine. No one's going to be hitting that every time. And like you say, it's, 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 it's a window and it's the principles behind it. So I think that's valuable. Um, when it comes to the free time formula and I mean, side point, I absolutely love the cover of that. I think the book looks awesome. Um, yeah. Tell us about what made you get back on the horse in terms of writing new books. Again, I know that is not an easy thing uh, to do. I'm in the final stages. I hope the final stages are right. It myself. Um, so what made you feel like there was more left unsaid and it was time to now get this out and tell us all about the free time formula.
1: Well, that book kind of came about on accident, because I was it was last spring, I was working on a bunch of random projects. And I got an email from a publisher that asked me to do a book with them. And so it was just I wasn't planning on doing one. But it, it felt like a really good thing to say yes to because I was ready to write another book. I just didn't really know what the topic was going to be about. And so my editor, both of us worked together for a couple of weeks trying to like nail down a topic and nail down exactly what it would be about. They gave me kind of the idea that it should be about time management, productivity, something to help push that direction. But at the time I had this really kind of super busy schedule and I got myself really stressed out. And without realizing it, I was burning myself out in the process of trying to negotiate that contract, do speaking gigs, you know, the podcast every week, all these things I was doing. And I literally had a, what's called a esophageal spasm, which is a stress induced uh, problem where you choke on your food inside of your esophagus. It feels like a heart attack. And so I went to the emergency room of the hospital and had my doctor check me out and basically said like, you're healthy, you're fine, but you're stressing yourself out to death and you need to like calm down. And so that was a huge wake up call for me, massive smack in the face. And so I went back to my publisher and said, I have the topic for the book. I know what we're going to talk about <laughs> like, this is it. I got it. And so I began to then kind of walk myself back through like, what, how did I get myself there? How did I like this ambitious guy who wakes up early and runs marathons? how did I get myself so overworked? And so the book really talks about not just having more free time. And and so you can like, you know, take a nap more often, but specifically like what are your biggest priorities? How do you make sure those get done while at the same time having a sustainable lifestyle going forward, where you have the margin you need, the rest you need, the recovery you need to continue that long-term because the way that I was operating was as if like the world is going to end tomorrow. Let's just get it all done now. Like that, you can't burn the candle at both ends forever. It's going to backfire. And so it it did for me. And so this book addresses that very much head on and then talks about strategies you can use uh, to create that kind of margin you need, but still maintaining productivity, still making sure that things that matter are getting done, but doing so in a way that's sustainable and healthy and productive. Awesome. And I'd recommend people go,
0: if they want to know loads more in depth, they definitely go and buy that book to get in the details. But could you just give us a big picture of some of the key strategies that kind of jump out to you? Almost, it probably could be like the chapter titles or some of the areas that you think were essential to have in your book and it was like you could not miss them.
1: There's one concept I discussed throughout the book that I call cutting the nonsense. And what I use the phrase nonsense because I felt like there was definitely this sense in my calendar and on my to-do list that I was doing a lot of stuff that never had to happen. I was, I was prioritizing a lot of things that you know, I thought were important, but in reality, they could be cut. They were totally optional things that I had said yes to because I love what I do and I want to mm-hmm. do more of it. And it's so easy to say yes. So the hardest part for me was kind of unwinding all of that and saying no to all these things that I'd previously committed to. And so I refer to it in the book as nonsense because it, it, at the end of the day, like if those things never have to happen, they are a distraction from the things that do have to happen. And so you need to figure out what those core things are you want to spend your time on uh, to be able to prioritize those above everything else. And that is where, that's the biggest struggle on a day-to-day basis because we get so many distractions, emails, phone calls, you know, opportunities that pop up and, that filter you have to have to be able to say no to those things is that's the discipline that matters. A quote from Steve Jobs from a long time ago, he said that he was, you know, more proud of the things Apple did not do than the things they actually did. Because he knew that like that kind of focus is what allowed Apple to create amazing products, the same ideas in your own life, like you have to be able to filter out the nonsense, the distractions, all the noise to do the few things that make the biggest difference. I feel like that if there's any skill set to master anything to, to work hard on every day, that is the key thing And in, in, in order to become kind of the best version of yourself who also doesn't get burned out and, you know, kind of find yourself in the hospital for some reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned a quote there that could be the one by coming into my alpha round. I like to have a, a quote that really resonates for you. Maybe mm-hmm. an ethos that you live your life by and, and sounds like you, we could have just had it, but I don't want to take words
1: out of your own mouth. <laughs> there is a, uh, a quote that i actually have on my vision board here in my home office uh, from albert einstein uh, that says in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity and i use that all the time i refer back to that constantly because you know we, we all have challenges we all have things we face every day that's difficult and i refer to that quote because i need to kind of reflect in the moment when things you know seem like they suck and you're going through something difficult what's the opportunity there like how can you grow from this how can you, you know, have a positive end result and I feel like that mindset allows me to quickly shift from a kind of a victim mentality when things are hard to one of kind of an opportunist or one of a proactive like problem solver. Like that's what I'd, I'd rather think like and, and be able to use that in my day-to-day life. And that helps me all the time. Every single day I use that, that kind of philosophy as a way to get to the solution faster, uh, find myself in a way that I can move forward without just kind of sitting back and worrying about things or you know, feeling bad about myself because that's, that's not going to get me anywhere. And I'm looking for a, like a proactive approach to life. And I feel like that quote really just reminds me how to do that.
0: You mentioned uh, a key book earlier in the interview, John Maxwell, and you said necessarily, not necessarily that wasn't like the the best book you've ever read, but is there a particular book that you think is really useful and was key for you apart from that one, apart from your own, obviously, would take them out? Uh,
1: There are a couple of books that stand out to me that I've read in the last uh, few years that I think really fit in line really well with the work that I do. Uh, One is Essentialism by Greg McKeown, uh, and the other is The One Thing by Gary Keller. Uh, Those two books uh, specifically are about productivity, but they're mostly about uh, cutting the fluff, cutting the nonsense, and getting to your one thing or your essential activity. And there's lots of great advice in both of those books that help to filter those things out. And I find that rereading those books every year has helped me a ton. I think those books came out probably three or four years ago, but I reread them all the time because I need those reminders. I need that sense of like, here are the priorities, here's what to to do next. And so, yeah, they're, they're phenomenal books.
0: And at this, you've got the, the great resource to be able to pull from your podcast. Who do you think would be a great interview? Who would you recommend from that large list would be a great interview for, the, for this podcast, Awaken Your Alpha? Who jumps to mind?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I spoke with, I th- well, a few people here. <laughs> David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done, is a phenomenal guest. Um, he is, I mean, he's like the founder of productivity in many possible ways. Like he's got <laughs> lots of advice there. Um, recently I interviewed Daniel Pink, uh, who's okay. author of many books, uh, recently his newest book, I think is called, it's called when, uh, power of timing. Uh, he's an awesome guy too, because he's got such great advice on how to, uh, in, in regards to productivity and scheduling, kind of how to do things when they matter most and how to ignore them until they matter. Uh, but I found that those concepts to be phenomenal. He's a really cool guy too. Awesome. Um, and I, I mean, I just,
0: that was such a key point you said near the end there. Could you give some strategies, even whether they're your own or his, about how you do do things when they matter most? I mean, is it obviously linked to the morning or some more strategies around that concept as well? I think that's a great point.
1: Yeah, there's actually a, another um, author who wrote a book that's similar to that. His name is Rory Vaden. Uh, and the book is called, it's called Procrastinate on Purpose. Okay. And so the idea behind that is that you literally are going to procrastinate tasks that uh, don't have to happen yet. Um, the idea behind that is kind of saying, let's say there's a deadline for a project on Friday. And if you start to work on it on Monday, you might spend more time than you need slowly tinkering through it all week. This this is huge. huge. You're you're hitting me here. I like the sound. (laughs) Yeah, this is huge. As opposed to doing the project on Thursday, you do it fast, you get it done, you move on. Um, The idea here is not to stress yourself out because the deadline (laughs) is the next day, but the idea is because there's pressure to get it done, you're likely to spend less time on it and ultimately then have more free time in your week for other projects. And so it's, your goal is to figure out what is the ideal amount of time I need for something and don't spend a minute longer than you have to. Uh, if time is precious and you only have a few hours, you want to make the most of it. And a lot of us tend to let things just take way longer than they should, either just worrying about a project or spending too much time researching it or just thinking, you know, thinking about it as opposed to do it, sit down, get it done, move on. And I feel like that kind of attitude leads to productivity so much faster. And that it really is based on when you schedule time to get it done. And often the best time is just before the deadline, even though that's not my style. That's not how I usually operate. Uh, I, I do that often because I know I am very effective and efficient um, right before something's due.
0: Yes. So- the, the power of a deadline. Oh, I agree. You can't, yeah. power deadline is huge. It's what I've written in, in my book, but you can't, like you say, you can't become a last minute man the whole time. And, right. and, and almost, I think the choice in that is the important thing. You've got to choose the certain, the right ta- uh, tasks and like you say, yeah. not stress yourself unnecessarily. What jumped to mind there as well in terms of, like you say, you know how long a task takes and you just sit down do it. Bosh, it's done. Uh, I want to talk to you or at least get your opinion on the Pomodoro technique. Popped into my head when you because I've done similar things. When you have to get it done, it a task takes a certain amount of time. What are your thoughts around Pomodoro's?
1: I don't use them, I have in the past, but I do use something that's similar to it. Um, so I set timers for myself all the time. When I'm doing a task, especially ones that are repetitive, like if I'm going to write a blog post or work on an episode of a podcast, things I do all the time. Generally speaking, I, especially with writing blog posts, I know that if I don't give, have a timer for myself, I will let myself just kind of, you know, think a little more, <laughs> write a little yeah. more. Like That's, just, It could I, take the week, yeah. It's, it's a creative just, task, yeah. But if I, I I'll usually do a timer for around an hour and a half. I tend to find that I can focus really well in about 90 minute chunks and do a lot of work in that time. And if I literally see a timer going, you know, on my computer or physically on my desk, like it's that reinforcement mm-hmm. that says, Jeff, you only have, you know, X number of minutes left. Get this thing done. And I always do. It's amazing how that is so powerful to have that kind of a system. And so whenever I can build in those kinds of reinforcements, the timers I do, um, I don't choose like 25 minutes, you know, with the Pomodoro and the five minute break. But I do stick to the idea of saying, if I have an important task to do, what, how much time do I actually need? Let's set a timer, have a focus block of time, and get it done. And it works every single time, it's just without fail. And so the more often I can schedule blocks like that, the more often that I want to because it it is effective.
0: Can you tell us about a time since you've been on this journey when you feel like you had an an absolute shocker? When it, I mean, I know just in the last year, you let your your health get away from you, it could be that. A big failure in the last few years, but you learned from it.
1: I mean, what happened last year is definitely (laughs) a big deal. Um, there's other smaller things that I've done. And then one thing that I did a few years prior to that was, um, I got myself injured, uh, while running a marathon and it was my fault. Um, I intentionally pushed too hard. It was same scenario though. It's like, I was kind of putting my blinders on. This is like my MO. The way I operate is I choose something. I go after hundred percent, which has lots of great benefits. The side effect of that kind of decision-making is that I don't often pause to think like, is this actually working? Or am I running a huge risk here? And so like, for example, running the marathon, I injured my foot. Um, a few years later, I was in the gym, I pinched my back muscle, both of which were caused by me saying like, I'm gonna be the go getter, and like push really hard. And that it doesn't work. Um, I, I want to be ambitious and push myself, you know, hardcore. But the way my life tends to operate is I see the most productivity and the most success when I can balance out Here's what I want to get done, but here's kind of the once again the ideal amount of time to spend on it and the ideal way to approach it. And so I, because I kind of overly I overdo things, have to find kind of that that rhythm that works um, and will work long term. And so that's kind of how I kind of move through life now.
0: That sounds like that could be a similar warning sign for a lot of men listening. What have you found is a common mistake or problem? that people have around this, this subject, productivity and getting things done and not overwhelming themselves? Is it similar to what you've experienced or is there something else that you see pop up a lot?
1: I would say in terms of like common problems I see is a lot of people think they have to do more than they do. Uh, it's really common to believe that you know, because somebody else is accomplishing this big thing, I have to also, or I have to compete with other people. And I think that the biggest issue that I see with a lot of people is that they're constantly in this comparison mindset. They're looking at other people and trying to think like, how do I keep up? But that doesn't actually lead to your own productivity. It just burns you out and makes you feel bad about yourself. I feel like if you want to be productive, you have to look at where are you right now in your life? What can you cut? What can you focus on? And just stay centered on that. Uh, It's so easy to look at everybody else and then feel like you're not keeping up. But that mindset ultimately is not one that leads you to actually catch up. If that's what your goal actually is, it just leads you to feeling bad about yourself. So if you want to be independent and intelligent and creative and productive, lead your own life, like pursue your own path and craft your life to fit who you want to be. I feel like that's really about kind of knowing yourself, knowing what your goals are, being in touch with yourself, which takes uh, some time to figure out. But once you can land on that, then you won't have that comparison game going all the time because it's just a common trap uh, that I see kind of undermining a lot of people's efforts uh, to get more done.
0: What's the best way if people want to find out more about all and everything you do and you know specifically the free time formula, which uh, is the, n- the newest book, what's the best way they can connect with you
1: to to do that? Uh, jeffsanders.com is the website. That's where all of my stuff is. My books, courses, blog posts, podcast episodes, uh, it's all there. I mean, you know, always email me as well, jeff at jeffsanders.com. I'm happy to answer questions and go from there. Awesome. And
0: kind of could be linked very closely here. What's the kind of the one message you want to get across or any, any information or any thoughts that you feel have been left unsaid in this interview? You wish I'd asked the
1: question ultimately. And how would you like to be remembered? Great question. I think that the the legacy question or being remembered kind of uh, it goes back to what I said in the beginning of the interview about energy and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I feel as though that's that's what I like to stand for. That's whenever I kind of do a podcast episode and I kind of you know present new content. A lot of times I'll get feedback and people will say, you know, I don't really know what you said. I just like listening to you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's a weird comment. But then I realize <laughs> it's because what they're hearing is just the sense of positivity and mm. energy and uh, and enthusiasm and zest for life. And I feel like that's for me what really is the foundation for the work that I do is I want to have that same sense of, of ambition and excitement for the work that I do um, without, of course, having trips to the hospital. But the idea <laughs> behind it is that you do have the sense of passion because it's so easy to, uh, to find yourself burned out, to find yourself not loving your work and, and to, to be discouraged. And I feel like that's what I would, I'd rather not have that experience every day. I'd rather just lean on, what can I do to make me feel better, which of course will lend me to doing better work.
0: Well, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure today and I think it'd be silly for me not to keep this right on time considering <laughs> what we discussing. I know we could keep going. And I feel like we could keep going. This would be such a good podcast if it was 90 minutes, an hour, but we're going to keep this to 30 minutes. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast.
0: Live limitless. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode i really do appreciate it and i know time is the most important asset we have please do subscribe and leave a short review head over to ayalpha.com to get any goodies that are going on the website at the time and awaken your alpha with alw the facebook group and get on the inside join the conversation and please do support the show so if you can share this on and recommend it to your friends this is the number one men's development podcast for inspirational stories and strategies for us all to thrive